I want to have a word of prayer with you before we start. If you will, let's bow our heads and, and pray. Heavenly Father, as we start our study tonight, uh, we would like to invite your presence here. And we want uh, to feel the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon us and to guide us through these studies. We want to understand more Bible prophecy and about what's happening and what's going to take place in the world. And most important, how to be ready in a saving relationship with you. For we pray in Jesus' name, let everyone say Amen. I want to start by reminding you of a story that took place uh, more than 100 years ago on April 12, 1912. You probably remember, if you see the picture there, somehow it's not changing the picture. Do you know why, um, John? Um, okay, so, but I'll tell you the story and hope it will catch up with us here. But uh, say it again. No, actually, we have uh, the, a ship, the largest ship uh, of that time was going to the first voyage, and that was, what was the name of the ship, everyone? The Titanic, that's right, the Titanic. It was filled with more than 2,000 people, more than 2,200 people was on board on the Titanic. They were going from England and crossing the Atlantic Ocean, going all the way to the United States, more specifically to the state of New York. A lot of rich people were on board as well, important people of the time. And it was known at the time that the Titanic was unsinkable. And there were rumors, people would say things like, even God cannot uh, sink the Titanic. Okay, so they went um, in their voyage after three days crossing the Atlantic Oceans. You know, the first warning, the first what, everyone? Warning came uh, to the ship crew saying, iceberg ahead. The first warning came early in the morning. It was 9 o'clock. It was completely ignored. No one took even note of the warning. It didn't come to the captain of the ship. And then the second warning came in the afternoon. It was already like 1 o'clock in the afternoon, 1.30, somewhere there. It came the second warning. The second warning was written down, given to the captain. The captain saw the warning, but the captain decided to ignore it. What did he decide to do with the warning? ignore the warning and he believed also that that ship was strong enough to face the Atlantic Ocean to face all the icebergs and cross uh, the ocean all the way to New York and he ignored the warning but the warnings continued to come the warnings continued to what everyone to come but they were ignored and ignored until nine o'clock Nine o'clock, finally, some of the crew members, they saw this white iceberg right ahead of them, and they screamed, and they called the captain, and they tried to reverse, they tried to stop, but it was too late. It was what, everyone? Too late. Too late. The warnings had been ignored, and now that they wanted to cross, uh, uh, excuse me, they wanted to stop the ship, it was just too late to do that. And then they, they crash, you know, they, they had a collision with this iceberg, and then when they went to assess the damage, they saw 300 uh, feet damage on the right side of, uh, of the Titanic. The water was just coming so fast that uh, the water pumps could not take the water out. And then finally, the captain decided to lower all the, the life-saving boats 
And they realized they only had uh, life-saving boats for 1,100 people. And they had like more than 2,000 people on board. But some people, even though they had the opportunity to get in, in one of those boats, they decided not to get in because they had been told that the Titanic was unsinkable. Only 711 people survived. Friends, there is a lesson there for us. There is a major lesson there for us. And that is that the warnings had been given. But the warnings had been what, everyone? Ignored. And friends... God has given warnings concerning what's going to take place with this world. This world is actually heading to a collision, to an end. And prophecy is very clear about that. And there are warnings after warnings in scriptures. There are signs of the times that we saw yesterday, one after the other. They are increasing in intensity and in frequency but people, many people, and I'm glad it's not you, one of them, but many people are ignoring the warnings. And we must not ignore the warnings because if we keep ignoring the warnings, it's going to be just like what happened with the people in the Titanic. It will be fatal. Are you with me? And that's why we are here, friends, because we want to understand what the Bible says about the end of the world and what's going to take place in the last days. We don't want to ignore the warnings. We want to be up to date with good understanding of the scripture so we can be ready. In fact, my friends, it's not only the Bible that is talking about the end of the world. Scientists today are also talking about the end of the world. Did you know that? They are talking about, they call the doomsday clock. Like a scientist such as, how many of you are familiar with Stephen Hawking? Very famous scientist. I want you to see what he wrote. He already passed in recent years. He wrote the following. It is important for the human race to spread out into where, everyone? Space. For the what purpose? For what purpose? Survive of the species. Life on earth is at the ever-increasing risk of being wiped out by natural disaster, nuclear war, a genetically engineered virus, or other dangers we have not yet thought of. And then he goes on to say, we won't find anywhere as nice as Earth unless we go to another star system, another galaxy, okay? So you see that the scientists, they are also concerned about the end of the world. But we know, we learned from Bible prophecy that the world will not end because of human intervention. Because of what did I say, everyone? Human intervention. No, it will end, it will reach a climax with the second coming of Jesus. We saw that yesterday. Promise after promise in scriptures that Jesus is coming again and we must be ready for that. Now, just a quick review here of what we studied yesterday. In the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament, he, you know, um, the prophet write on behalf of God the following words where God says, I am God and I'm going to tell you or prove you why I'm God. And I want you to read that with me right over here. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you're welcome to go there in Isaiah chapter 46, verse 9. Remember the former things of old, for I am who? God. And there is no other. And then he tells why he is God and there is no other like him. What is the reason he is God? Declaring the end from where? From the beginning. 
and from ancient times all the way in the past, things that are not yet done. The way I'm going to prove you that I'm God and I'm trustworthy, you can trust in what I say, is that I'm going to start declaring what's going to happen in the future. Are you with me? And then once we study Bible prophecy, everything that God has spoken about the future, and we study, we see the fulfillment, we will say, we can trust in the Word of God. Are you with me? And that's why we can trust not only in the prophecies of the Bible, but we can trust in the whole Bible, because God, through His Word, through His prophet, He can declare the things that has not yet happened. And my friends... There are several Bible prophecies that have been fulfilled. Tonight we are going to study one of them. And uh, the complete fulfillment has not yet happened. But I'll say 95% has already happened. We still need another 5% of the prophecy to happen. We saw that the book of Revelation. What book did I say everyone? Revelation yesterday is one of these books that prepare people in the world for the end of the world okay so it's a book of hope not of despair jesus says in revelation 117 do not be what everyone afraid i am the first and the last in other words i'm going to be with you all the way through from the beginning to the end in Revelation 22, if you'd like to open up your Bibles there, you're welcome to go there. Revelation chapter 22, all the way to the last chapter of the book of Revelation. In Revelation chapter 22, we're going to read verse 7. The Bible says there, Behold, that's Jesus speaking through the prophet John. Behold, I am, what is the next word, everyone? Coming quickly, blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. And that's what we want to do. We want to study. We want to read so we can observe, implement in our life. It becomes our lifestyle so we can be ready for the coming of Jesus. Would you say amen for that? Okay, so, um, but you find... Okay, the blessing, yes, in chapter 1, verse 3, very good. You find a promise of a blessing there as well. But I want to remind you just quickly here of the words that Jesus spoke in Matthew 24, verse 15. What verse did I say, everyone? Matthew 24, verse 15. You're welcome to go there. But uh, Jesus spoke about a certain prophet, a certain what, everyone? Prophet. And I want you to read with me. What prophet did Jesus say that we must study, read, and understand? So in Matthew 24, if you have your Bibles, you can go there with me. Because remember, I want you to keep me accountable, okay? If I don't give you a biblical answer, it's not acceptable. Are you with me? Would you say amen for that? Amen. We want biblical answers here tonight. Otherwise, it doesn't count. Matthew 24 and verse 15, Jesus says the following. Therefore, in the context of the last days here, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, it's spoken of by what prophet? Amen. Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, whosoever do what with that book? Reads, let him also do what? Understand. So Jesus said very clear, we need to pay attention specifically what the prophet Daniel has to say, and that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to follow the words of Jesus. We are going to go back all the way to the Old Testament 
to the prophet Daniel and see what he has to say. And we are going to Daniel chapter 2. I invite you to go there with me. We are going to spend most of our time tonight in Daniel. What chapter did I say, everyone? Chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2. Friends, you are, you know, to the verge of discovering, unpacking a fascinating prophecy that God gave to the prophet Daniel, which pertains to our time as well. I want you to see that, friend. This is just mind-blowing. I remember the first time studying Daniel chapter 2 and understanding the meanings of, of this dream that was given, and I was just like, how can it be? Remember that verse? I am God, there is none like me, and the way I prove I'm God because I'm able to declare the future before it happened. And it's exactly what we find in Daniel chapter 2. So let's just review here Daniel chapter 2 very quickly. We are going to read several verses, okay, in Daniel chapter 2. But uh, I will kind of just give you an overview quickly here of what was happening there. And you're welcome to read at home especially and review what we are discussing here tonight. But in Daniel chapter 2, you have this king of Babylon. King of what nation, everyone? Babylon. And his name is, who knows his name? Nebuchadnezzar, there you go. That's why we need the, 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 um, the Middle Eastern people here to, to keep us accountable with the historical facts, okay? So there you go. We have Babylon, we have uh, Nebuchadnezzar there, and Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, the most powerful nation on earth on those days. What kind of nation did I say? The most powerful nation. He was the most powerful king. You could probably compare to the president of the United States with the difference that he must take no respect to, to, what, um, to, to, to what his advisory or Congress or any branch of checks and balances has to say. He was a king. There was no checks and balances for him. Are you with me? So this is the most powerful man on the earth. He was sleeping on day. He had a dream. He had what, everyone? A dream and a dream that disturbed him. He was just like completely disturbed with that dream. He woke up, but the thing is, he could not remember the dream. But he remembered that it was a terrible dream that disturbed him so bad. And he decided to go to his wise man, the wise man of Babylon. Because they were supposed to know what the dream was, and the interpretation. Are you with me? That's how they worked in those days. You have the, the astrologers, you know, they looked to the stars and they knew the future by looking at the stars, and they have those that consulted the, the dead spirits. You have those that consulted all kinds of gods that they had. That was the, the understanding, the philosophy of the Chaldeans, the Babylonians. Okay, so when I say Chaldeans, I'm not talking about the Chaldeans that we have here in the context of Warren or, or Mission. We're talking about the people that live in the Mesopotamia. Of course, there is a trace back if you know a little bit of the history. But you have here the Babylonians and the wise men of Babylon. And Nebuchadnezzar called them all, except the wise men that had come from the city of Jerusalem. What city did I say? He didn't want to hear what this Hebrew wise man had to say about his dream. He wanted to give the chance to his own wise man from his own country to give him the dream and the interpretation. 
So Daniel, the prophet, was one of the wise men of Babylon, but he was Hebrew. He was not invited to that occasion. His friends were also the wise men of Babylon. They were not invited to that occasion. And all these Babylonians, all these Chaldeans, they are in front of the king, and they come to the king to say, Listen, king, we are here. What do you want? And the king says, I want you to tell me what I dreamed last night. And if you are the wise man of Babylon and I support you, I pay your salary, you better tell me what the dream was. And I want you to pick up the story with me in verse 10 in your Bibles, okay? Daniel chapter 2 and in verse 10, we are going to see what the Chaldeans actually told the king. If you have your Bibles, you're welcome to follow with me. In verse 10 it says, The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who, call, who can tell the king's matter. Therefore, no king, lord, or ruler has ever asked such a things of any magician, astrologer, or Chaldean. Could they tell what the dream was, yes or no? They couldn't. And they said very clear, there is no man on the earth that can tell you what the dream was. And notice what it says in verse 12. For this reason, the king was what, everybody? Angry and very furious and gave the command to do what with the wise men? Destroy how many of them? All the wise men of Babylon. And then verse 13, the Bible says there, So the decree went out, and they began killing the wise men, and they sought who also? Daniel and his companions to kill them because they were part of the wise men of Babylon. They were Hebrews, but they were part of the wise men of Babylon. If you read chapter 1, you will see that they excelled in, excelled in wisdom and they became one of the wise men of Babylon. But they were not invited, but in order, when it came the time to kill the wise men of Babylon, they were invited. They were sought for. Now, look at what happened here in verse 16. If you jump with me when they came to Daniel. The Bible says, So Daniel went in because he requested in the previous verses time to consult the God of heaven, pray about it, and see if God would answer his prayers and tell him what the dream was. And then he went to his friend. It says in verse 16, So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him what, everybody? Time, time that he might tell the king the interpretation. It's amazing that God, uh, the, the king actually gave him time. The, the king gave him what, everyone? Time. time. That was exactly what he was not willing to give to the wise men that were Chaldeans and Babylonians. Are you following? But he was willing to give to Daniel. It seemed that Daniel had a different spirit. Throughout the book, you see that the spirit of God was upon Daniel. And the king, the kings of Babylon, because there was more after Nebuchadnezzar, they recognized that the spirit of God was upon Daniel. He said, okay, I'll give you time. And then in verse 17, jump with me to verse 17. It says there, then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, verse 18, that they might do what, everybody? 
seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret, so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So they decided to do what, everyone? Just put in today's words. What did they decide to do? Pray. And friends, whenever we encounter problem in life, the first thing we should do is to pray to the God of heaven. Are you with me? And we should plead with him to provide solution, to provide wisdom, guidance, to provide comfort, strength, and power, and many times even miracles, and he's willing to do for us. Notice what it says in Daniel 2, verse 19. Then the secret was what, everybody? revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel, what did he do? He became proud and took the glory to himself. Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Friends, let's just remind ourselves very quickly here. In Matthew 7, verse 7 and 8, Jesus says, what is the first word there? Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you for everyone who will do what? Ask, receive, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be open. That's exactly what Daniel did. And that's exactly what you and I can do. Come before God with faith, pray for whatever we are going through in life, and he's willing to answer our prayers according to his will and according to what is best for us. Go back to Daniel chapter 2. And we go now to chapter 26. So did Daniel discover what the dream was, yes or no? Yes, the God of heaven revealed to him. In verse 26, the Bible says, Are you able to, this is him before the king, okay? So are you able to make known to me, what? The dream which I have seen and its interpretation? And notice the answer of Daniel. That's so important. It's, so, it's, it's someone that is filled with humility, through the power of God. Notice, Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, and the soothsayers cannot declare to the king. And then in verse 28, But there is who? A God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has made known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what will be when? In the latter days. I, I highlighted for you because that's so important. It says, in the latter days. Friends, this dream over here that we're studying tonight is pertaining to what kind of days, everyone? Yes. To the latter days. It pertains to us. And we need to understand. Because there we're going to find warnings that we cannot ignore, friends. And uh, friends, really, the Bible is really a book to provide answers to the questionings that the human heart has. For instance, how did I get here? Does the Bible talk about how we got here? Daniel said, you know, the God of heaven is the one that answered prayers. He is the one that gives us wisdom. He is the one who created us. You know, so does the Bible answer the question, what is my purpose, why I'm here on earth? Yes or no? Oh, yes, we have a purpose to give glory to God, okay, to be a blessing to those around us, okay? So we have a purpose in life. Daniel had a purpose in life. He wanted to help the king Nebuchadnezzar to understand about the God of heaven so he himself could be saved. Number three, how should I live my life while I'm here on earth? Does the Bible tell us how we should live our lives here on earth, yes or no? 
Oh yes, Daniel, he, he lived a, such a life that even King Nebuchadnezzar, who was so brutal, that was willing to kill his own wise man, was willing to give Daniel a chance, which he was not willing to give to his wise man. But because he lived a life filled with the Spirit, bearing the fruit of the Spirit, you know, his life was spared. Notice, verse four, uh, uh, question number four. Where am I going when I die? Does the Bible tell us where we are going, yes or no? A lot of people are, are asking this question. Where do I come from? What is my purpose? Where am I going? The Bible talks about that, and we are going to study that tonight. Do you want to know where we are going tonight? Not tonight, tonight, but I mean... <laughs> Daniel chapter 2, verse 31. Let's go back here to our study. Verse 31. You, O king, this is Daniel speaking, you, O king, were watching, and behold, what was in the dream of the king? A great image. This great image, whose splendor was excellent, stood before you, and its form was awesome. Verse 32. This image's head was of fine, what kind of metal, everyone? Gold, you can see in the picture there. Its chest and arms of what kind of metal? Silver. Its belly and thighs of bronze. Its legs of iron. Its feet partially of iron and partially of clay. I can't even imagine Daniel describing the dream to Nebuchadnezzar and he begins to have these flashbacks in his mind. So, this is a dream. This is something supernatural happening right here as we are reading. But it's much more supernatural than interpretation that we are going to discover tonight. Verse 34, it says, You watch it while a stone, a what everyone? A stone was cut out without hands. This must be divine intervention because the expression without hands in the Bible is often referring to the intervention of God on earth. So the stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Verse 35, then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, the gold were crushed together and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. Verse 35, it says, then wind carried them away so that no trace of them was found. And the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. There you have the dream. This is a dream, verse 36. This is a dream. Now, notice carefully, I love this. We will tell the what? The interpretation. Don't you love that? I just told you the dream, but it doesn't stop here. Now I'm going to tell you what, everyone? The interpretation. Friends, you need to realize what God does. Everything that God does has a purpose here, you know, like the reason God made this king to forget his dream is that if he remembered his dream, he would have told the wise men of Babylon and the wise men of Babylon would have made up an interpretation. And that was a done deal. It's like, okay, whatever you guys said is fine. Are you with me? But God made him forget the dream, but be troubled enough to seek for help. And then he sent his prophet, and then, and then he realized, he exposed the fallacy of the wise men of Babylon that didn't worship the God of heaven, but worship idols. Their fallacy is discovered, they can't help. And now it comes this Hebrew prophet, Daniel the prophet, 
He understands the dream. He receives the dream from God, and he says, Oh, but by the way, I know you're already excited, but I'm going to tell you the interpretation. Do you want to know the interpretation tonight? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. But I just a review here what we saw here. I want to show you a little video over here that you can watch the dream try to be reproduced tonight here. I'm not sure if we are going to be able to see. I'll try one more time. Let's try this. No, it didn't work out. I'm not sure. I had actually an image here playing like uh, the whole image. But anyway, you can see there the head of gold, uh, the chest and arms of silver, and then you have uh, the tie of bronze, and then you have the legs of iron, and in the feet was iron and clay, and then came a stone cut out without uh, hands, and then it stroke the image and broke in pieces. That's what we have there. Now, here comes the interpretation in verse 37. Are you ready for that? Okay, so verse 37, the Bible says, You, O king, are the king of kings, for the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. Verse 38, And uh, whatever the children of man dwell, or the beasts of the field and the birds of the heaven, and he has given them into your hands. And uh, has made you ruler over them all. Notice carefully. You are this, what everyone? The head of gold. I'm sure he must have felt uh, very proud of that. He was the head of gold. But here we have the beginning of the interpretation. All the way to Babylon. He said, you are the head of gold. Friends, Babylon was just an amazing nation, an amazing city that ruled the known world of the time. And uh, historians, they say that Babylon, if you, you know, go to the archaeology of, of the city of Babylon, you find that the streets was laid with gold. The walls had gold. Images have gold. I wanted to read here what an ancient Greek poet wrote about Babylon. He said, Babylon was teeming with what, everyone? Gold. A perfect imagery of Babylon. An ancient Greek historian, he wrote lavishness of gold in the sanctuary of Bel Marduk. That was the main god of the Babylonians. It was the sun god Marduk. Okay, so they worshiped the sun as the main god. And it says here it was lavishness of gold in the sanctuary. We all know about uh, the hanging gardens of Babylon that um, Nebuchadnezzar built to one of his wives that really liked, you know, like the beautiful vegetation of the country where she came from. She came to Babylon and said, it doesn't have the vegetation I had back home in my country. And he built the hanging gardens of Babylon for his wife. Um, and I want you to know here some uh, discoveries. You know, this is Nebuchadnezzar's um, cuneiform. And uh, not many years ago, friends, I'm, I, I'm still talking about the 20th century here, historians, they believe that uh, what the prophet Daniel wrote was not accurate. Because nobody knew in history about a king called Nebuchadnezzar. But recent, uh, uh, recent discoveries, they found the so-called Nebuchadnezzar's cuneiform. And I want you to see what they found out. First of all, they found out that Nebuchadnezzar was, in fact, the king of Babylon. The Bible was right. And we can trust in the Bible. 
But notice what Nebuchadnezzar wrote in that stone. He wrote, The fortifications of Babylon I strengthened and established. The name of my reign, for how long did he expect it to, to reign? You know, that Babylon would, would stand forever. But that didn't happen as we're going to see here in the dream. And then he wrote, the whole earth was prostrated at Babylon's feet. How much of the world was prostrated before Babylon? The whole known world. Babylon, the city which is the delight of my eyes, which I have glorified. May it last for how long? Forever. That was his expectation. When he built the city of Babylon, he built to live forever. And Babylon only lasts for uh, the unhappiness of Nebuchadnezzar from 605 to 539. He had already died in 539, okay? But it only lasts until 539 B.C. So the numbers are decreasing because we are talking about B.C. In other words, you know, before Christ. That's, you know, when the time is actually digressing in numbers. Now notice with me what the Bible says in Daniel chapter 2 verse 39. The Bible says there, but after you, oh man, you have to be a man of God to stand before the most powerful king of the earth that has the power to kill you on the spot there, to tell you, and by the way, after you, after your kingdom, after you shall arise another what, everyone? Kingdom. So this image here is about kingdoms. Okay, when he says you are the head of God, it's because you, Nebuchadnezzar, you represent the kingdom of Babylon. You are the king, you are the head of the kingdom. But he says here, but after you shall arise another kingdom. So he's basically saying, by the way, king, your kingdom will not last forever, but it will pass away. Friends, I wonder if I was there standing before Nebuchadnezzar, if I would have the courage to tell him on his face that, you think your kingdom will last forever, but I have news for you. Your kingdom will pass away according to this dream. Before it happened. And then it says, Then another, a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over the whole earth. So let's talk about the second one that followed Babylon. The breast of um, uh, and, the, and, and the chest, I should say, of silver. So that is the kingdom of Medo-Persian. This is just basic history, friends. But you can see in the Bible, the Bible in chapter 5, let me take you there to Daniel chapter 5. You can turn your Bible there to Daniel chapter 5. I don't have here in this slide, but we're going to read this verse in a little bit. It gives you the name of the kingdom that followed Babylon, that conquered Babylon. That was... In the year 539, the Middle Persians came into scene. And the way they did in October 13th, in 539 B.C., you have the Middle Persians is the composition of two nations coming together in an alliance to defeat Babylon. And they surrounded the city. And uh, in Babylon, you had this river, Euphrates, going all the way into the city of Babylon through the gates. And they said, we can't enter the city. The walls of Babylon, it was just like too large. It was high. It was wide. You could actually run two chariots with horses 
around the walls of Babylon. It was a fortified city. And the armies could surround the city for years. They would still produce their needs with the river of freighters flowing into the city. The Babylonians didn't care about the Middle Persians surrounding the city. They were actually feasting that night, drinking and partying, even drinking from the vessels of the sanctuary of God. And when they were drunk, they had forgotten to lock the gates where the river of Raiders ran through the city. And what they did, uh, the Persian, the Middle Persians, they deviated the course of the river. And they were able to march through the gates, through the riverbed. And when they got there, they were not prepared for war. Everyone just surrounded. Nobody died except the king. And you find right here in Daniel chapter 5. Notice carefully what it says in Daniel chapter 5. It gives you the name of the kingdom that fall, and you just go to history. You know, the nation then conquered Babylon. You're going to see it was the Middle Persians. Daniel chapter 5, notice what it says here in verse, Daniel chapter 5 and verse uh, 28. Perez, your kingdom has been divided and given to who? The Medes and Persians. Right there you have the prophecy, okay? So another warning that was given. And that very same night, the Bible says, if you continue to read verse, uh, where are we here? We are in verse uh, 29. Then Belshazzar gave the command, and they clothed Daniel with purple and put a chain of gold around his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that uh, he should be the third ruler in his kingdom. Verse 30, that very night, Belshazzar, king of the Chaldeans, was, what is the next word, everyone? Slain, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. There you have. Your kingdom will pass away. So that's exactly what we find. We see them potting there. And the interesting thing is that Cyrus, whose name did I say here? Cyrus, okay, the king of uh, the Persians, okay, the king of the Persians, we find also writings that is known today and is in the museum in England. And notice, you know, there uh, basically shows that uh, Cyrus, according to ancient prophecy found in the Bible, was going to be the next conquering king of the known world and we're going to read bible prophecy concerning cyrus in a little bit and that was recognized in the old days notice what isaiah says notice carefully isaiah 41 verse 1 thus says the lord to his anointed to what is the next word everyone cyrus whose right hand i have held to subdue nations before him start right there friends you need to understand that uh, the book of Isaiah was written 180 years before Cyrus was born. Are you following what we're dealing here? We're not talking about like a natural book. We're, we're dealing with supernatural here. The prophet Isaiah, you know, inspired by God, gave even the name of the individual that would be responsible to the fall of Babylon. You saw there in the book of Daniel about Darius, and Darius was related to Cyrus, and it was old, and out of respect, Cyrus allowed his uncle to rule. 
And that was a way to please the Medes, that alliance, the, the Middle Persians and the Medes was an alliance of family. And after Darius died, and then the, the Persians just continued to grow in power. But the Bible had already given even the name 180 years before Cyrus was born, that he would be the instrument of God to conquer the nations. Notice, and lose the armor of kings to open before him, notice carefully, the what? Double what? Doors, so that the gates will not be shut. That's how Babylon was conquered, remember? The gates were left open, and they were able to deviate the course of the river and march through the riverbed with the gates open. The Bible had already prophesied how the fall of Babylon would be. And lose the armor of kings. So we already read that one. So going back to Daniel chapter 2, verse 39. Then another, a third kingdom of bronze, right in the middle of the verse. A third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. And we know that the kingdom that followed the Medes and the Persians, if you know basic history, what was the kingdom that ruled the world after the Medes and the Persians? It was Greece through Alexander the Great. It was Greece through Alexander the Great. Greece ruled from the year 331 to 168 BC. The interesting thing about Alexander the Great the one that uh, was able to conquer the Medes and the Persians and other nations that tried to withstood uh, his power was that in seven years, how, how long time did I say? Seven years he was able to conquer the whole world. And when there was no land for him to conquer, according to um, uh, history, okay, so we can't really confirm that, but there are rumors that he actually got really depressed. Because there was nothing else for him to conquer. Except something that he wasn't able to conquer. And that was his passion and his own addiction to alcohol. And he actually died at a year, some historian says 32 years old, some other says 33 years old because he was not able to control you know, his own passions. And his life was brought to destruction at early age. He was able to conquer the world, but was not able to conquer his own passion. Friends, I must tell you this. There is no power in the world, human power, that can make you conquer whatever is plaguing your life tonight. It's only a power that comes from above. The power of the Holy Spirit that can break us free from sin. Would you say amen for that? And that was something that Alexander the Great didn't know. So his empire um, lasts for a number of years after him. It was eventually divided in four parts. And then came the fourth world empire. And who knows what was the fourth empire. Let's read Daniel chapter 2 verse 4. There you go. Daniel chapter 2 verse 40. The Bible says, And... Uh, the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as what, everybody? Iron. Okay, already a clue there. Inasmuch as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything, and like iron that crushes, the kingdom will, be, uh, will break in pieces and crush all the others. Now, we all know that, historically speaking, Rome is known as the monarchy of iron. Rome was the nation that conquered 
the Macedonian Grecian Empire in 168 BC and went all the way to 476 AD. Just like the leg was the longest member of the body, Rome was the longest empire to reign on this dream of a year. And prophecy was predicting that. By the way, we have pictures here of, uh, you know, the Roman empires. They, they are known for using their armor bearer of iron, just how they are described as the monarchy of iron, the legs of iron. And uh, we have even the weapons of iron, and it crushed. And Jesus Christ was actually killed under the power of the Roman empire. And he was crucified. He gave his life. He literally gave his life. He had the power to preserve himself, but he gave for an atonement for sin. Now, I want to jump all the way now to Daniel 2, verse 41. Verse 41, the Bible says, Whereas, because we still need to understand what the feet is, Whereas you saw the feet and toes partially of potter's clay and partially of what, everyone? Iron. So we see some element of the Roman Empire left in the feet there. Okay, so let's continue. Notice what it says. The kingdom shall be, what is the next word, everyone? Divided. Yet the strength of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay. Friends, here is basically saying that the Roman Empire would eventually be what, everyone? Divided. That's what prophecy says. Did that actually happen? Oh, most definitely. Basic history here. We are dealing with, you know, like elementary history here. We all know that in 476, what year did I say? 476, four, yeah, 76. The Roman Empire was divided by barbarian tribes that came from the north, invading the empire. And how many barbarian tribes, main barbarian tribes, were able to divide the Roman Empire? Do you know? Any clue? Ten. Remember, we are in the feet, and the feet has how many toes? Ten toes. Prophecy is precise. It gives the details. And that's exactly what happened. There were more barbarian tribes, of course, that existed, but the main ones that were able to divide, you know, the Roman Empire, the western part of the Roman Empire, there you have the ten barbarian tribes, the Anglo-Saxons that gave orange to the English, okay, or England. You have the Lombards that gave orange to modern Italy. You have the Burgundians that gave uh, orange to the modern uh, Swiss. And then the Visigoths to Spain, and then the Franks to French, the Suevi to Portugal, you have Alemanni to German, and then you have the Hurali, which is extinct. We are going to talk about that in a future presentation, okay? And the Vandals and the Ostrogoths, all these three last tribes, they were extinct. But friends, do you realize that we are actually living, according to Bible prophecy, we are no longer in the head, we are no longer in the chest, we are no longer in the thighs, we are no longer in the legs, we are living where, everyone? You're wrong. Okay, somebody said. Somebody said we are living where, everyone? In the toes. I like what somebody says here. We are living, actually, in the nails. Okay? That's where we are, according to Bible prophecy. Friends, the warning, remember, we began with the story of the Titanic. The warning 
is being proclaimed, is being given. Listen, we are living in the last days. That's how we know we are living in the last days. And I'm going to ask my friend George. To, we prepared something special for tonight here, and we want to display here for you. And as he's opening that, I want to read here. Uh, what attempt to unify the nations of Europe does this prophecy mention? Because it says, listen very carefully. Okay, there you go. There we go. And before you continue, actually, George, I'm going to ask you to hold on for a little bit. Uh, yeah, yeah, hold on. Like, like you can put a bag. I'll call you back. <laughs> that was just to sparkle your interest for now. <laughs> so notice very carefully. Daniel 2, verse 43 in your Bible. As you saw, the iron mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle with the what, everybody? The seed of man. There would be intermarriages between nations in Europe. After, you know, Europe was divided by the barbarian tribes and they gave orange to the modern nations of Europe. There were attempts to unite uh, the European nations through marriage, but they will not adhere one to another. Prophecy is saying that there would be attempts to unite Europe, the European nations, but it would all fail according to Bible prophecy. Are you with me? Do we see any attempt in history to unite the European nations, the Western European nations? Yes or no? Oh, yes, we have several, like Napoleon, for instance. And by the way, Napoleon, the only reason he was not able to reunite the European nations, the Western European nations, was because of a, a snowstorm in the summer. In the what did I say? Man, God put his hand in the history of this world. Friends, if God has his hand on the history of this world, can he have has his hand on the history of your life. Can you trust your life in his hand? Yes or no? Most definitely, friends. Notice what it says in Daniel chapter 2, verse 41. The kingdom shall be, what's the next word? Divided. And we have several in history that fell, like, uh, uh, help me with the first name here in English. Charlie. Okay, Charlie, um, excuse me for that. Uh, you are so gracious. Ch uh, and then we have the Charles V, defeated. Louis XIV, uh, defeated. Napoleon, defeated. Kaiser and Hitler, all defeated. In fact, you have... <laughs> Friends, if I had time here, time is really running short. But if I had time, I would give you more details about what happened with Hitler. And Daniel chapter... Did you know that Hitler knew Daniel chapter 2? He knew it. And he actually, you know, he learned Daniel chapter 2 with a lady where he rented a room when he was still a student. And this lady taught him about Daniel 2. In fact, he went back. He went back to her saying, is there any possibility that I can conquer the world? And she said to him, no way. Do you know why she said that? That he, would, he wouldn't be able to succeed? Because she knew Daniel chapter 2. She knew prophecy. That's how accurate the word of God is. And that's why God says, you can trust in my word, not only the prophecies, but the whole word of God. Because I am able to declare the future before it happens. And when you realize that, you will know that my word is true. Are you following? Can we trust in the Bible tonight, yes or no? 
Amen. Amen. Now, notice carefully here, as we are closing tonight, when God says something will come to pass, it will. But if He says will not, it will not. Now, everything else has happened already, as we have seen, from Babylon to Middle Persian, from Middle Persian to Greece, from Greece to Rome, from Rome to divided nations. Now, the only thing missing is what, everyone? The rock, the stone that struck the image in the feet and destroyed. And again, friends, if Jesus is in control of the rise and the fall of world empires, can you trust him to guide the direction of your life tonight? Amen. Amen. And then it says here, what next event would happen in the days of these kings? What time period is this in earth's time uh, timeline? And we know it's the rock. In chapter 2, verse 44, giving the understanding of the rock, it said, in the days of these kings... There in the toes of the feet, modern Europe, which, by the way, colonized several parts of the world, like South America by the Spanish, North American. You know, you have uh, England, and you have France, and uh, you have several countries of Africa, and so forth. So it permeates through other nations. So notice here, and in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a what, everybody? Kingdom. Kingdom. Tonight's message is the final world superpower. And that superpower, friends, by the way, I have news for you. It's not the United States of America, and it's not China, and it's not Russia, and it's not any nation on this earth. The final superpower is the kingdom that God will set up that will never pass away. And I want to be part of this kingdom. How about you? I want to make sure I'm ready for the kingdom of God. As we saw, all this has happened, and we can trust that the stone will come. What is that stone? Daniel says in verse 34, You watch it while a stone was cut out without hands, and it broke in pieces the image. In verse 44, The God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. Yes, it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms. It shall stand forever. Friends, what is the stone? The Bible says, if you go to your Bibles in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 4, keep me accountable, someone. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 4, it's very common in the scriptures, a stone or a rock be a reference to God, more specifically to Jesus. It says in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 4, And that rock, the rock that was in the wilderness, providing for the children of Israel, the Apostle Paul says, That rock was who, everyone? Christ. Friends, that rock is a symbol of Jesus Christ coming in the, kingdom, in the clouds of heaven to put an end in the history of this world. Now I can have my friends bring into you what I have prepared here for you tonight. And by the way, he helped me to design this and to put together so you can thank him for the, the, the graphic you're going to see tonight right over here. And I'm going to leave it open for the whole night, friends, for every night so we can remember ourselves because Daniel chapter 2 is the foundation to understand the book of Revelation and the rest of the book of Daniel. You can't understand the rest of the book of Daniel or the book of Revelation without having the foundation, friends. The foundation. Here we have the time frame all the way from Daniel 
all the way to divided Europe to the present time when Jesus Christ will come and establish his kingdom. Friends, Daniel closes with these words. Daniel 2 verse 45. The dream is certain. The dream is what, everybody? Certain. certain. And it is interpretation is what, everyone? Sure. Friends, if everything else has happened, will Jesus eventually establish his kingdom? Yes or no? Oh, yes, friends. Jesus is coming. The warning is here. It's up to us to hear the warning and get ready for the coming of Christ. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.com dot org.